Hey guys, welcome to the Bad Blood Football Podcast, Season 2. We, you know, get getting on with this. It's been a couple weeks since we released an episode, but we thought we'd get in here again. So, this time we're going to talk about a little contentious here. So, we're going to be talking about domestic abuse and other violent, you know, crimes, mainly directed at, like, family. We have a couple, uh, and how that's related to the NFL. Also, what we think the league should do in response to that. So, Rob, you, you found something really interesting. You know, I, I didn't even think to look up this kind of thing. Um, it really goes against what the general population's intuitions are about this. So, why don't you explain that to you? So just to kind of start out here, I, I just want to lay out exactly what a violent crime is for, for people that do not know. So essentially, it is murder, manslaughter, DUI manslaughter, robbery, aggravated assault, sexual assault, rape, battery, domestic violence, child abuse, and kidnap. So that's that's what this these statistics are kind of talking about. So when I was looking around, I ended up finding a Huffington Post article that kind of says that in regards to the general population, NFL players actually commit about half of what uh, total arrest rates are as compared to the general population. However, uh, when you look further into this study, going to the time period in which uh, NFL players are active in the NFL, you actually see a much higher rate of, of violent crime arrest rates versus the uniform crime rate across that age group, which is about 20 to 30. So, you know, it kind of goes against what pretty much the general public would think that, you know, it the football is a violent game and people always wonder, you know, does that carry uh, into, you know, everyday life? And I mean, in certain circumstances, yes. I mean, this is not a sweeping thing. I saw another uh, article. This is uh, encompassing all crime. But it says on average, an NFL player is arrested every seven days, and that's uh, that is according to the NFL player arrest database. I think that's kind of an interesting statistic. But that, like I said, encompasses all crimes, not necessarily violent crimes. But with the general population, I mean, you would think that you know players that play in the NFL are more violent than everybody else. But as according to the study, you know, the general population creates uh, commits way more violent crimes uh, than NFL players, except for this certain age group. But yeah, so I and we have some of these higher profile cases that we want to kind of discuss about, you know, what the NFL did right, what they did wrong, what happened here, uh, whether or not they should be here. So, Sean, do you want to I think we're talking about Ray Rice first? Yeah. So just to be clear, by the way, that's a, a writer's article. Reuters, is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. So it's uh, it's called Arrests in U.S. General Population Higher Than for NFL Players Study. So uh, it's an interesting read. If anyone wants to give it a look, you could see what uh, Rob's talking about here for yourself. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into Ray Rice because in a lot of ways, I think this is the start to like the modern era of the NFL handling this type of case. So, you know, it was pretty recent um, still in NFL terms, like six seasons ago, you know, it's March 2014 that this went down. So, you know, most people have seen the video. It's basically the craziest shit ever. He and just, if you haven't, yeah, and it's a, please watch it because it's a, it really shows what this guy did. It's really, it's really messed up. It's pretty disturbing too. Like it's crazy to watch. It looks like a freaking I don't know, like a scene in a movie. Yeah, it's like a movie scene though. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like I don't know. It's crazy. So. He is in an elevator with his fiance, and he decks her, like just drops her, like crate, like not just like he slapped her in the face or something, like he punches her in the jaw and drops her like nothing. And then he drags her unconscious body out of the elevator when it stops, almost, you know, just 
inserting context here, but it almost looks like he's like trying to hide, you know, get away with it. You know what I mean? He do- he doesn't like even appear to check for breathing or a pulse. He doesn't call the police immediately. He he was trying to get her out of there so that it wouldn't be seen. I mean, that's my interpretation of what happened at least. Um so he got suspended for two games initially, but with that said, the video had not been released to the public. Now, there was some speculation that the NFL may have seen the video before it was released publicly, but that has been, you know, apparently debunked by um, actually Robert Mueller. So, you know, everyone knows about Mueller now, but former FBI director. So looked into that and it's there's no evidence that uh, the NFL had access to that video before the public. So it seems like they just didn't know what happened. They were just talking about the aggravated assault charge. But once the video became public, the NFL suspended him indefinitely and the Ravens terminated his contract, effectively just ending his career. He's never going to play again. So this incident, though, they got a lot of uh, flack for the fact that they they felt they were only able to give a two-game suspension just based on the aggravated assault charges. Now, basically, they changed their policy completely, and they're a lot more strict now. So we can talk about what that looks like. But oh, I also I want to add, his fiance went on to marry him later that year. Uh, and she, I've seen in an interview, she claims to have never seen the video. So she has never seen the video of it. And she's like, oh, he's a changed man. And I, you know, maybe he is a changed man, but it's, she, she's like the stupidest person ever for not leaving him like right away, you know, not to take anything away from him. Like, obviously he's the bad guy here, but like, it's just crazy to me that that could even be a thing. Like some Stockholm syndrome or some shit going on. And how do you not watch the video? I mean, you may have been unconscious, but I mean, geez, like you definitely like, oh God, just know who you're marrying. Essentially, that's, that's what it all comes down to. And it all looks so heartless. Like, he's, like, handling mm-hmm. her like a bag of dirt. Like, it's just exactly. really bad. Like, and, like, it shows, like, did, does he actually care about this person? And it's, it's really, like, weird. Because, yeah. I mean, I don't think he would find anybody else. Because I'm sure most people, if not all people, have seen this video. And it is disturbing, like we've already said. But that's besides the point. I don't understand that. So you wanted to talk about somebody else that uh, had an incident before this uh you know, 2014, late 2014, changing of the rules. They, they changed them in December where they uh, changed their policy somewhat on this kind of thing. So why don't you talk about that, Rob? Yeah, so Adam Pacman Jones, he was actually one of my favorite players back when I was younger, before I knew any of this. Uh, he, I, It seemed as if the NFL had almost this three-strike policy. You, you see this with a couple of players, but this is, a, this is probably the prominent one, at least the one that I found. Uh, he was charged with two felony charges in two different states. Uh, he was suspended for the entire 2007 season and, and then uh, a couple of games uh, in the following season. Then he was reinstated after two felony charges, which is crazy to me. And then the following season or a couple of seasons after that, he's then charged again with the felony and misdemeanor charges, which they are they are dropped after that. And they left a guy paralyzed in a strip club. So essentially an altercation broke out. He paralyzed somebody. And the charges were dropped. So then he was later suspended until after the 2008 Pro Bowl, where then he was cleared to participate again in the NFL. Then the following season, directly after that, so that was strike two, right? With with a, with multiple felony charges on his record, all this good stuff. Uh, and then the following season, he had an altercation with a bodyguard in a Dallas hotel, which he was a part of the Dallas Cowboys at the time. And then right after that situation, he was suspended indefinitely. In my eyes, he should have been completely suspended indefinitely after the first felony charges. But 
this is before that new rule was put into place. The new policy was there. I just think they need these sweeping, I I don't know, sweeping punishments, essentially, uh, amongst all players. So there is no gray line because with Ray Rice, you know, the two-game suspension, obviously that wasn't enough for an aggravated assault. Like, you need to punish people for doing wrong. Like, yeah, so I mean, let's, let's get into that. Like, so what is your overall take on what they should do in these kind of cases. You know, you don't have to give me, oh, for this, the, you know, this, right. this long, for this, that long. But, like, what should their overall philosophy be? And, uh, you know, how can we move towards that? So it should be it should be very strict. Like, I don't think there should be any wiggle room. Like, I think they need to lay out, like, like defined suspensions or, or something along those lines. So when people commit these crimes... You know, they they know exactly what they're they're up against essentially, and especially people that are in like the the limelight for like this time period of your twenties and thirties. Like you need to you need to be held accountable for things that you do, and I and I think these should be much stricter, more suspended indefinitely. Like I don't think only misdemeanors should like in my eyes be considered you know suspensions. Any felony charge should be completely. Uh, suspended indefinitely, like there should be zero wig room. There should be no appeals, no nothing. Felony for not like violent crime, you mean in particular, right? Not just like you know, maybe yeah. like I think a felony drug charge is different than right. I, I and it, and and I think we were talking about this previously, where it was like you know the NFL needs to conduct their own investigation. I think you had more to say about that, right? Yeah. So I think just let me start with this. So I think that. The you know it's going to sound callous at first, and you're going to get a sense of what I mean by this. But the NFL's principal goal should be to protect their assets. So I think their goal should actually be to you know help their company make money. But that doesn't mean that they don't have a, an ethical responsibility here. And with that said, though, like we can't expect a company to like make ethical decisions if we're not going to put pressure on them. That's just not how our current system works like companies don't just start to like make these like, you know, ethical decisions for no reason. They're going to do. Yeah. They're going to do what they see as helping their wallet. So what we need to do, and I'm not like, you know, advocating for like a boycott or anything. I'm just saying we need to, you know, I, I would advocate for a boycott if the case was extreme enough, you know, if they really screwed up, but I would say, um, the NFL needs to be pressured, so they need to see that this is hurting their image. It needs to cost them money to not suspend these people for longer. So whatever the means to getting there are, that's what we need to do. So I would say the public needs to put pressure on them to change their policy. Because even if you look at their current policy, we're going to go through some of the uh, cases that have happened since then. Um, and we'll discuss those. But I think even now, they're very, very lenient with uh, some of these players, uh, way way more lenient than I would be. I would say if there was a almost you know zero tolerance policy, um, it would actually be a lot better for the world on the whole. You know, these are public figures. There's a lot of people who look up to them. They really, you know, if the NFL takes a hardline stance against this kind of thing, they they would do a lot of good for the world. And so we should pressure them to do that. Um, it would be great if they would just do it without us having to pressure them. But that's just not how things work, you know. How it's do you th- feel about this? How do you feel about the team being punished for the player's mistakes? So, as in, so, like, so, let's just say somebody commits a felony charge. Okay. So, that person is suspended indefinitely, and then the team loses a first-round draft pick. See, I don't think that there's a way to 
do it because you would get into sketchy territory where there would be accusations of like favoritism towards certain teams. So like, okay, so, you know, notoriously Kraft from the Patriots, Robert Kraft has a close relationship with Goodell, right? So um, imagine a situation where there was no, there was no charge, but you, so there's a Patriots player the, they got, you know, accused of some crime, but they they were not charged or, you know, the trial stopped at some point. But there was a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that they did it. Now, there's a, an appearance of misbehavior if the NFL then says, oh, we're, we've determined that it's not uh, bad enough because how can we tell that they didn't do it because of some kind of favoritism? So I would say there's the issue. Um, okay. Now, if they were charged with the crime, I still think there's a problem in that especially if it's the first time that player's done it, because you can't control, you know, you can't predict it always. You know what I mean? But, but it, you want to protect your business. So, I mean, so in in my eyes, right? So if you would punish the team as well, then I think that that makes it, you know, you're almost going to kind of hold everybody more accountable on your team because they all should know that we're hurting other people, not just myself. Yeah, it's interesting. I just, I don't know how to, like, I couldn't think of a way oh, to yeah. actually make it actionable. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't make any sense. I just think it's like, I'm not sure how to put that into practice, like, it, you know, in mm-hmm. the real world. Right. Um, but so, so let's talk about um, a couple of these players. We'll just take you through. We're not going to discuss every case, but we're going to go through some of the ones that we think are most indicative of what the NFL uh, currently does and what we think they should do. So let's talk about Tyreek Hill first. Are you, you good with that? Because I think oh, this yeah. is the most interesting or yeah, one of the most interesting ones. Well, it's layered, right? You know, it, it, it comes with a lot of different things that we need to break down, essentially. So, so continue. Yeah. So let's just start off. Okay. Before he was in the league, okay, in 2014 as well, he and he was a, a college player at this point. Okay. So he pled guilty to domestic violence and battery by strangulation after allegedly choking and punching his girlfriend, who was pregnant at the time, um, and got kicked off the team at Oklahoma State as a result. Now, what do you think about this? Like, uh, do you think that... So I'll just tell you what I think first. I, I think that the NFL should never have let him into the league with that kind of a history. I think it sets a bad precedent, but you can give your thoughts. No, I... Any felony charge or, or or anything along those lines, like it doesn't matter if you're in the league or not yet, you know, like it's still an image that you're bringing into the league. Yes, people can change, but I mean, unfortunately, some of these records don't. So, it, like, like you know, you need to you need to have a higher standard of person come into the league, especially if you're you're worried about image and stuff along those lines. Like, it, it's ultimately a business at the end of the day, and you want to bring somebody in who beats and strangles their pregnant girlfriend that like, that just doesn't like, how does that jive with anybody? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So now let's, let's go into, there's something more recent. I think less people know about it, but um, in 2019, there was a tape that was released, but it's not just the tape. It's basically there was an accusation where his fiance at the time accused him basically of breaking his three-year-old son's arm in some kind of child abuse. So, there's a tape where he she she tells him that their son is scared of him and he says that she should be scared of him too and but then you know the full tape has been released and he has said that she basically in the same tape he accused her of lying about the domestic violence accusation and he also said that he didn't 
uh, break the kid's arm. Now, all I would say is that to me, it sounds like there's actually not enough evidence with this one. Like once they already let him in the league, I actually think it makes sense that they haven't suspended him Um, in, you know, in the perfect world. I don't think they should suspend him. I think he's a scumbag. Um, 90%. Like I'm not saying I know for a moral certainty that he did any of this, but you know, just the fact that he said, you should be scared of me too on tape. Yeah. Like, 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 you know, something's not right there. Like, yeah. Like imagine, you know, someone's telling you that your child is scared of you. And then your response is to be like, well, that makes sense. But also you should be scared. Like, it's just a crazy situation. So, you know, I don't think you should be suspended, but you know, I don't think that it looks good. Um, actually, you know, maybe in the perfect world, like, Yeah, like in the perfect world, maybe there would be consequences, but I think it's pretty difficult. You know, you have a players association to deal with and there's player rights to consider. Um, So I do think after they let him into the league, after the first thing where he pled guilty to domestic violence and battery, um, you know, maybe things change a little bit. It's this. That's a tough one. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Next up, we're going to talk about Adrian Peterson. So this is interesting because it's the same year. So I, I told you guys December 2014 is when this big policy change came into effect. Ray Rice, th- that whole situation was in March. Now, Adrian Peterson was also 2014, and it was just before the policy change that he was arrested. So he was arrested, I think, in September. Um, so before the policy change happened, he was actually arrested for this. So here's what happened. He was indicted on felony child abuse charges after using a wooden switch uh, on his four-year-old son, four. Um, And it's not just that he did it necessarily. Like if you look at the pictures, there's pictures released of it. Like he caused a lot of damage to the child and he wasn't hitting the child in the butt. Like he really screwed this kid up. Like he was beating the crap out of this kid. Yeah, it was more of a beating than, than, you know, do do better essentially. Yeah. Uh, and really, you know, that's a young age. Four is young. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. So now he pled no contest to misdemeanor reckless assault, and he was suspended for just six games. And, uh, you know, he appealed this because they had just changed their policy. You know, that's ballsy in itself. Um, now, what's weird is I feel like this should have been a way worse look for the league than it actually was because. He, you know, maintains to this day that he didn't do anything. He's like, oh, I won't use a switch anymore, but I'm still going to discipline my kids with a belt. Like, he he thinks that this is, like, totally cool. Like, he sees no issue with what he did, um, other than the fact that he took it a little far. Like, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't see an issue with, like, beating the crap out of your four-year-old kid with a switch. Yeah, Um, no, that's that's obviously a problem. (laughs) But... so, I I just think it's like a dated mindset, and uh, I think that this type of crime should be taken much, 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 much more seriously in our society. Um, and, you know, he didn't actually serve any jail time, like any Which prison time. Yeah, super weird. Like, I actually, you know, obviously it's not the legal system podcast, the football podcast, but just a brief comment that, like, I think that this kind of crime should lead to a long jail sentence. Like, if if, if you told me the situation here and then you said they were put in jail for 10 years or prison for 10 years, I would have been like, okay, that makes sense to me. I think that's actually a, a fair response. Now, I know that sounds like extreme, but I think we need to fast track our mindset to change about how we think uh, about disciplining ch- children physically. That's, you know, sort of a tangent, but, you know, I think it's a really bad thing and it. I wish that the public perception was worse. So with that said, the NFL can only react based, you know, they are only going to react 
based on what it does to public opinion. And clearly this didn't cause a big enough issue to the public's eye for the NFL to feel like they needed to take huge measures. So I kind of see that as a big issue. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that, Rob? It's sticky, right? I mean, I do agree that, you know, the punishment in the NFL's eyes should be heavier in, in my opinion for this certain case, right? With child abuse, it is, um, you shouldn't have somebody who's a, a league leading running back essentially, uh, being, I, well, in a, in a sense, being allowed to beat his kid without steep penalties because it's essentially his job, but his job is a public figure. But I mean, I'm going to go off on a little bit of tangent of the law of like, well, I don't think he should be susp- like he should be in jail for ten years either. I mean, I don't agree with that comment just because you know what's worse. I mean, yes, he may do it again, but I mean, in my eyes, it almost seems like you're you're worse off without a father figure, especially in a situation like that. It's like why? Oh, I see. I don't think so. I think he should never see his kid again. Like it should be like a super. But it's but it's but it's more it's more detrimental to the child's development to be without a father figure than it is to. I mean, and and I'm not excusing beating your child either, but by any means, I'm just saying that over a longer period of time, it'll be more detrimental to the kid. I see that argument. I don't know if I'm convinced, but I see what you're saying. Just because it's like you know, like they don't. It's weird. It, it it's very strange. But going back to the NFL. He should be suspended a lot heavier than six games, and and just being having essentially the balls to appeal that is is crazy. I mean, you know what you did wrong, and I understand he he thought he was just disciplining his child, but he shouldn't have appealed that, and it should have been at least a season, if not more. Yeah, and he just to be clear about why he appealed it, he he was talking. The reason he appealed it is because it was sort of retroactive, in that he was arrested before the uh, policy change took place. So they kind of changed the policy and then applied it to something that had happened before the policy was changed. Now, I would just say that I don't really care, <laughs> but, right, right. Um, you know, and obviously the courts didn't either. Like, I don't know the specifics of the legal case, but, you know, once he appealed it enough, it was determined that that wasn't a good enough reason. Um, now, I'm happy to say that he basically stinks now. He's terrible. <laughs> um really not even one of the you know he's not even close to elite in terms of overall in the league right now so he's essentially a backup now yeah you know and you look at like what he was having you know he had a 2100 yard season in 2012 um so you know he really threw away a great career um for basically nothing um and i don't know i this is just a very this type of case angers me in particular like i think that we just handle this really incorrectly in society. We need to stop seeing it as like a parent's right to decide how they discipline their kids. Like to some degree it is, but you know, I, you know, I don't want to get like too extreme here. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm kind of with you, but I think we should move on and get back to back to football here. So there's one last case that I think that we wanted to talk about that is, has been in the news. It has a Netflix show. It's got a couple of different things surrounding it. And I think it's it's very interesting. And I think it kind of ties everything together very well, at least in my opinion, is the Aaron Hernandez case. So, you know, he was he was a Patriot for a long time. Or not a long time, but a couple of years. You know, he's doing very well. He ends up killing a guy who is a, uh, who is a semi-pro football player. And 
after he gets arrested, he's thrown in jail and felony charges, suspended indefinitely, he kills himself. So his brain was uh, essentially given over to medical experts to study uh, because he killed himself in jail. All his other stuff, uh, it was given to them by his uh, girlfriend, I believe. And um, they found out that he had CTE, which is a very common disease amongst football players from, you know, multiple concussions, undiagnosed concussions, just overall rattling over the brain that changes some chemistry here. So kind of what I was going off of earlier, why I said this was going to bring everything together is I think that's a big thing when it comes to violent crime, because the normal human brain isn't as violent um, normally, you know what I mean? It's more of like, this thing will eventually push somebody over the edge, especially if you have a brain injury. Um, you're more apt to just be different. Your brain chemistry is different. Stuff along those lines. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Like it, it makes you wonder, like how many cases like this are we gonna find? Um, you know, in the future, like how, how really how much uh, does it affect the brain? We're still finding out more. You know, it seems to be worse than we thought, and every you know new discovery that comes out about it, it seems to be worse than we thought. Again, you know what I mean? It's, well, like it's over and over. Yeah. So, and it's weird, like because they could they used to not being able be able to detect it until death, but now you can start to detect it when you're alive, which is fantastic in the in the study of this. Which is, it's really a shame because a lot of these guys are going to have big problems once they leave the NFL. All these guys that are out of the NFL. Probably almost every single one of them has it because of you know you're hitting trucks essentially like that once a week for however many seasons you you go for essentially so you're bound to have some sort of brain injury when you come out of it so yeah just i wanted to add one you know this is just an interesting fact about his um death so i don't know if you know this actually he first off he is on drugs uh within you know 24 hours uh so there was no suicide note but Cardboard was wedged under the cell door, so it was harder to open. Um, and there were there was a pyramid drawn on the wall uh, with the words Illuminati written underneath. Um, what? And, <laughs> yeah. And he wrote John 316 on his forehead in red ink. Um, All right. That's a little weird. <laughs> a little bit crazy, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> sounds like the Illuminati's all up in this, man. I don't know what he did, but... So I think clearly he was, you know, a little crazy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so let's, um, but basically the question we're asking there is, you know, how much does getting hit in the head over and over change your personality, even in the short term? You know, if you've done it for 10 years, say you're a 10-year vet, you know, is it already taking effect then? We we don't know too much about it. So um, well, we, be... and, and you also got to like factor in, right? So when you make it to the pros, you've already been playing. you've already been playing football for at least ten years before that, since you were a child. So True. you got you have to add up all of that time plus all the years that you're playing against pros. So like something has to happen to you. Like it is inevitable. But thankfully, you know, as time goes on, we're learning more and more about this and things are getting better with technology and stuff along those lines. Hopefully we're able to rein a lot of the CTE in and kind of stop these these players from suffering later in life. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, I don't know what exactly we have to do about that, but we're gonna find out more and more within years. So let's wrap this up. Um, We'll drop another episode when we can. It should be, you know, next week after. Uh, So tune in for another uh, season two episode of the Bad Blood Football Podcast.